Today's show is sponsored by ObservePoint. That moment when executives, peers, competitors are questioning the data analysts and scientists reports, their job and credibility are in question. ObservePoint gives data professional confidence in their data and insights by automatically auditing your data collection for errors across the entire website, testing your most important pages and user paths for functionality and accurate data collection, alerting you immediately when something goes wrong, tracking your data quality and QA process over time. You can request a demo at www.observepoint.com forward slash analytics today to learn more about ObservePoint's full data governance capability. Again, that website is www.observepoint.com forward slash analytics today. Joining Analytics Today, a podcast series of focuses on big data and analytics and latest trends in digital world. I'm your host, Jeremy Roberts, and always with me is Samir Khan. What is up, Samir? Hey, Jeremy. How's it going? Good. It's um, uh, I'm, I'm excited. You know, it's uh, summer's almost closing. We're having a lot of great podcasts coming in. Um, kids are back in school. I can hear my dogs going crazy somewhere in the background. They're probably barking at a tree. I don't know <laughs> what's going on, but um, it's good. Things are going really good. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And the one before that, our listeners should definitely, uh, if you have not had a chance to recording that we did before that was Steve Hoffman, Captain Hoff, uh, a great podcast, especially if you're in startup, if you're wanting to start your own startup, uh, it's uh, one of the one of the best ones we have. And today also, Jeremy, you want to talk about today? Yeah, to- a very special guest here. Yeah, today is a very special guest. And, and you know, when you think about it, uh, I've always was thinking, how do we present ourselves here on our podcast since you can actually see us now? Should I be growing a better beard? And I'm sitting there thinking, why can't we have a, um, a fabulous guest on who has a better beard than me? And it's <laughs> actually his name is Tim Baird. And uh, Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Samir, good to be here. Fantastic. So uh, we have an accent here and I love the accent. Let's uh, start with actually where you're based out of. I am 45 minutes out of London. So I am a true Brit, born and bred. Fantastic. Fantastic. Nice. Very cool. So as you can see on there, um, the clock in the back is uh, not the same as a clock where Samir and I are at, but it's a, uh... <laughs> so don't get thrown off by that. Okay, yeah. so let's uh, let's go in here, and, and I'm going to first do the intro for Tim, and uh, we're going to go in there and go straight into questions. So, Tim, we're going to brag about you a little bit, if you don't mind. So, okay. Tim Baird is the VP of Sales for Observe Points EMEA's branch, and um, has been in the analytics space for the past four years. So, before joining Observe Point, Tim lived in the U.S., South Africa, and most recently uh, Dubai. And at Observe Point, he leads a team. Uh, that helps the data-driven companies achieve their goals through automation, trusted data, and actionable insights. That is a fantastic intro. Welcome to the show. Thank you kindly. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, and what, what part of uh, what you said you live 40 minutes from London. So I'm familiar with the Guildford area. I used to have an office where I used to go there frequently. Where, where exactly are you located? 
So if you've got London and if you go south of London, that's where you've got Guildford. I'm all the way over to the right and north a little bit. I'm in uh, a county called Essex. Gotcha. Southeast. Yeah. Nice. Fantastic. Very so cool. let's start with that. Uh, you know, why don't we talk about you, Tim? And, and, you know, again, glad to have you on the podcast. And seems like you have a phenomenal career. Uh, you went to law school and then now you're in sales. It's kind of very different, right? You know, a lot of, uh, I don't see <laughs> yeah. a lot of law people in sales. Uh, they end up becoming a lawyer or, you know, maybe a district administrator or something like that. So yeah. what, what's, what's the deal with you? Why did you chose the path that you are right now when you started and graduated in law school? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I, uh, as, as, a, as a young man or, or through childhood, you know, I came from a humble background and it felt like for a, an unqualified, uh, a scrawny young man, sales was like, th- that was there. That was in the newspapers at the time. I'm showing my age. Yeah. Come and sell advertising. You will earn a hundred grand a year and drive a Porsche. So <laughs> well, that, that's my ticket. That's, that's what I want to do. That, that will um, help yeah, but- my goals and dreams. Uh, but I, I guess um, after a, a, a couple of years of being in sales and doing this, that and the other, I, I kind of, uh, yeah, I, I fell for an illusion that, that uh, maybe sales wasn't a super professional career or I needed to go and get uh, or become educated to be successful and that law was a very credible and sure way to achieve that. And I, I suppose I realized that actually I just needed to be true to myself and, and my tiny box of talents and gifts were better planted in sales. So although I, I enjoyed the experience for me, it was, um, yeah, I just doubled down, became more focused, disciplined and worked on my craft of sales. Interesting. Were there, were there mentors along the way or were there, um, you know, specific people that helped steer you in that direction or were there uh, tipping points in your life that, that really chose that direction? Yeah, I, almost the opposite. And it's not that I haven't had mentors, but I, I actually feel it was, um, you know, perhaps the tipping points was where I became comfortable in my own skin and stopped mm. listening to people. And it was, like look, that. this is, I, I can see where I can get to. I can see what I can do. And uh, I just finally made that choice that I was going to work really hard and uh, progress in, in sales. So, um, so yeah, probably a few tipping points, but ultimately it was that being comfortable in my own skin enough to, uh, uh, to go with my gut. I actually think sales is a lot of that. Um, it's one of those things to where in order to really, I, I'm in a somewhat of a sales role also myself. And I think in order to be successful that you have to have that level of confidence. You have to be able to, to be ready to put yourself out there and to, to accept failure and to accept all those other things. So very cool. All right, so let's jump on to something else. So um, when you're talking about selling and we're talking about the, the difficulty in that, so w- what is the hardest part of selling a tag audit data management platform to a business? But before we get into that, I want to make sure that the, what we typically do um, in this podcast is make sure people understand what we're talking about. We don't like to use terminology. Um, you know, we don't like to make sure that... Uh, um, we, we don't want to ensure that, that we're just talking about things that people have no idea what we're talking about. Right. So we want to make sure we clarify. So the first, yeah, and especially we're talking about yeah. this, uh, the subject it's, it's more, it's more technical, right. You know, what we're exactly. talking about here today, uh, as we are, we're calling about today's podcast is, you know, especially with the, 
Tim, you being at the senior level and selling data privacy solution in the GDPR world. So it, it's a little bit technical for our audience, although it's good that our audience, because it's an Analytics Today podcast, we do have a good combination of very heavy technical audience and as also uh, audience that are leveraging data for the day-to-day sales and marketing purpose. So that's a very good uh, point that you mentioned, Jeremy. I think it'll be good to just talk a little bit briefly about the different acronyms. Exactly. So the first part here, and Tim, let's do a little bit of a acronym trivia today. So, or, you know, <laughs> we're going to do definition trivia. So um, first let's talk about tagging, auditing, data management or, uh, platform, or sometimes people just throw out the term loosely DMP. Let's start first with DMP. What's the DMP? Yeah, so um, so this is all to do with your uh, your tags um, and how you're collecting uh, data. So it's like a data management platform. So uh, any business, um, especially if you think about e-commerce, you know we all shop online, and there's lots of data can uh, that can be collected on our behavior. Not even things that we um, things that we input when we interact with like a form fill. So uh, a platform uh, that collects uh, data on consumers, that's a DMP, a data management platform. And the data could be anything, right? So if you're, uh, let's say if I have an app, I have a website, uh, I have some other, uh, maybe like a mobile uh, app or solution. So the data could be collected from all of those platforms or is it limited to a specific platform? No, you're quite right. there's several, uh, I guess, formats and variations of, of, of where a data uh, management platform DMP could exist. And it's, yeah, it's, it's all around us. Um, like, like you say, two specific examples would be a website or a mobile application. Um, when we're in there, it's like we're being watched. And uh, if we yeah. <laughs> allow someone to, they could collect where we're coming from, what time we've gone on the site, what we bought before, how much we spent, the currency that we buy in, as well as, um, of course, like very personal information. Like well, let's, let's even clarify this too. Let's even clarify, is this PII, personal identifiable information, or is this like a, um, activity data? Because when we talk about a DMP, what is a DMP managing or looking at? Is it that PII or is it that activity data? Or is yeah. it both? I'm, I'm glad that you've made the, um, yeah, you, you're pointing out the, the difference because it, it, it really is uh, data that's collected through the activity. Uh, so it's those kind of tiny pieces of behavior and activity mm-hmm. that can be collected versus the PII, the, the, the personally identifiable information that requires us to, uh, to input some information about ourselves, like email addresses or uh, where we live, or even our credit card details, of course, something like that. Exactly. So if you come full circle with that question, I, I would even state, and, and this is something I've done in my career too, is some of the hardest part of selling these tag and audit systems, or even a DMP, <laughs> is first level setting with the customer and exactly what it is, um, and, and, and <laughs> explaining what it is and what it does. And a lot of times they're going to say, no, no, no. We store data in the tool that we have today. Why do we need a specific tool that you're calling a DMP? And sometimes they kind of sarcastically say that, but they go, why do you need a specific tool that only manages this? I mean, there's got to be a value to a DMP, right? Yeah, it's uh, if you think about even during the last year or so um, during COVID, 
digital transformation, how much mm-hmm. data is collected and used has escalated at a rate that we've never seen before. But even five years ago, uh, the market or the, the practice of uh, collecting data and how it was used was far less mature. So it's looking at um, uh, maybe mis- misunderstanding or um, uh, uncertainty around what we're even collecting mm-hmm. and, and what we should or shouldn't be collecting. But, but even our belief of how we can adequately manage that in a fairly manual way. Whereas now I think there's just so many data points, so many, uh, so many pieces of activity data across so many different websites yep. or apps. It's really uh, a challenge to, to do that. Um, yeah. yeah. And I would even say that the more of a value of just storing data of a DMP is really portraying that value of what a DMP can do from, through its internalities and externalities. So from an internality, it allows you um, for many DMPs allows you to create lookalike models. And yeah. with that ability to create lookalike models, I mean, you're taking your hero customers and you're saying, these are the people that are buying from us. We need to talk to more of these types of people. Let's use a DMP to create that lookalike model um, from an externality. It's usually the one tool that I usually call like the Rosetta Stone or the Universal Translator that can actually talk to you know, other third-party tools that may speak a different language, but it allows you to be able to transfer that segmentation specific data too. Yeah. And, and make uh, all of those, all of your messaging interactions, highly personal, right? Uh, personalization has become a huge play in, in uh, what we do in digital marketing. And, and yeah. I, I nerd out a little bit sometimes, so we'll, we'll go okay. there. Yeah. And, and, and <laughs> speaking of speaking of personalization, right. You know, how much is too much. So with GDPR is in full force right now, as we keep hearing about, Many organizations, including Google, getting slapped by massive fines because of GDPR. And uh, <laughs> so, how does uh, how does ObservePoint play a role in uh, helping people kind of mitigate the impact or doing the GDPR the right way? I should say. Yeah, um, and and so, firstly, you know, any listeners that may not be too familiar with GDPR, I, I recognize that it's predominantly a um, well, it's a European legal mm-hmm. framework, uh, general data protection regulation. It's a mouthful, but it, it really is just guidelines for um, exactly as we're discussing how we collect and process uh, personal information from, from individuals who specifically live in the EU. Um, doesn't mean your business needs to reside in, in the EU, but those that are accessing your site and you're collecting data from uh, should be. So where, where ObservePoint uh, comes in, and I'll resist going into um, full-on sales mode, but I, I think it's three areas. It's one, it's helping people to take a proactive approach. Mm-hmm. You know, here, here's the need, and let's make sure we have a process and a strategy. Um, and then some very specific things like um, listing cookies and network requests, um, but having that just in easy to read reports and really accurate and in rapid time to get all of that information manually is, is tough. And then, and then I think it's about, you know, just really simply um, it's, it's not rocket science, but um, it's, it's, it can be difficult to just reveal exactly what data is being collected and who's collecting it and where they're sending it. Um, For example, if you're catching data that, shouldn't move outside of the uh of, of europe but in fact it is um you would need to see that and so back to that mm-hmm. proactive approach and just having a little help through automation can can go a long way 
That's great. And and when you when we start talking about uh, specifically the platforms that uh, ObservePoint has, right? So we have uh, we have a data privacy monitoring solution, and then there is a consent management platform, and then uh, there is also this DMP. So what is the key difference between data privacy monitoring solution and a consent management platform? Can you just elaborate on that? Yeah, of course. So um, companies will use a and will experience it as as uh, users, customers of, you know, for example, a website, companies will use consent management platforms to just capture um, your consent mm-hmm. prior to uh, that company collecting information about you and potentially doing something with that information, selling it, um, using it in the way that we've described to help with um personalization and things like that so really it, it just um it, it helps notify a user like me or you any of us uh, and, and gives you that choice to say specifically whether you consent or not and it's normally in the form of a pop-up banner do you want to accept uh, and, and do you want to give consent that you uh, you're happy with your um your activity your data being captured and used or or not uh, and there should be a real difference after you make that decision, which is yeah. a very physical action as to, um, you know, what tags, what, what code um, captures your data or not and, and, and ultimately how it's used. So that's, that's a CMP. Uh, and then with something uh, like an observe point that's um, more of a, a data privacy monitoring solution, um, it, it's a little bit like a, a castle. We've got lots mm-hmm. of castles in England and you've got your uh, your men or, or women around your, your key entry points, guarding people coming in and out. Uh, you need someone to check that they're there when they should be <laughs> yeah. and that they're doing the right thing. Otherwise, you don't know what's going on. So e- even yeah. though it's critical to have a CMP, uh, it doesn't mean it's always where it should be or it's working. And so that's where having <laughs> something like ObservePoint to check uh, that um, it, it just shows that you, you're being, again, proactive and that um, that you really are uh, looking after your customers and their data. Yeah, and sometimes when I look at these consent management platform, uh, especially in the consumer end, it kind of feels forced, right? When I'm on the website, uh, uh, sometimes you just see this big pop-up just grabbing the whole screen and you know, you're forced to click the yes and no button. And, and then, then and only then you can probably access the content uh, and i know observe point you guys are innovating this whole space and driving new solutions like have, w- w- and what's your personal thought like sometimes i feel just obnoxious and just on my face and forcing me to access the website is there a different way to get this consent from the users um i'm i'm sure this is an area that we'll see lots of change as time goes on and whether that's forced from a consumer and I want to be more protected and have a better experience perspective, or whether it is a, a, a large company that would uh, rather not have to jump through that hoop to get what they need and, and want, perhaps for good reason, that may benefit us, uh, but maybe not. Uh, so I think there'll be change, but um, you know, right now that's, that's how it is and, and how it has to be. And yeah, I think from a user experience, it's not it's not uh, too nice when we've seen those initial changes in laws and everything's been popping up. Oh, yeah. um, it, it's, 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 uh, it has dis- uh, yeah, disrupted, I think, the, the user experience, but it's what we live with today for sure. So, so yeah. when, you look in, when you're looking at that and you're talking, uh, I'm going to talk about maybe solutions uh, we're, we're talking about 
selling even observed point um, type of solutions on the back end of a pandemic, right? And I'm not going to say post pandemic because once, until this thing is done, until this thing is like polio, we're going to still have it sitting there affecting us, right? But when you think about it, when you're talking to customers, and these are things where I have my own opinions about the challenges of speaking to customers and getting them to understand kind of their needs. When you're talking about an, a, a slowly moving digital transformational environment to where there's some customers who are still those laggards, who still don't understand the necessity and need for a CMP, a DMP, you know, uh, all, all the different um, acronyms and uh, uh, the types of tools you can get. What are some of the challenges that you're coming across? I mean, is, is it a matter of, of scaring them straight to understand you need this today in order to do this? Or is it, or are you taking more of the supportive structure of they're saying, we've been needing to do this for a while. We just don't have the skill set. We need your help. You know, are, are you an enabler or is it, is it a supportive? Or what kind of role are you guys taking? Yeah, that's, um, I, I almost feel like it's one of our customers that should answer that that question uh, fully. I'll, I'll give the most honest answer I can. Sure. I, I think probably a bit of both. Um, okay. I, I think we are very transparent that, um, you know, he, here's a reason to, to, uh, to act mm-hmm. and to invest time, human resource and money um, into this as part of your digital transformation and, and, you know, keeping up to date with, with, uh, with, with laws and, and regulations. Uh, if, if you don't, you could be fined. And I think yeah. it's fair to say that as long as it's in a constructive way and, you know, not, not too kind of, uh, final or, um, or, or, uh, exaggerating, but on the other side, um, you know, normally if we think about behavior, human behavior and why people do act, it's, it's never normally the, the one area and the, the mm-hmm. fear and the negative, it's also the positive and the future state that we mm-hmm. could be in and, and how good that can be. And I think what we are seeing now is, um, organizations are creating different uh, departments or even new roles. We're seeing more um, privacy officers, for nice. example. And, and so there is some pressure from an executive level and they need to act and they want an efficient way to do that. So although there still may be some laggers, um, maybe uh, to, to some degree a lack of um, uh, skills or just pure headcount to, to deal with this, um, we're, we're able to tap into those both things that, okay, here's, here's the consequence if you don't, or potential consequence if you don't act, but actually here's what you want to get to. You've got a lot on your plate. We, we can help you do that in a more efficient way. It's almost interesting because you're talking about a system that, a system of compliance to where if you don't use it properly, the amount of money you will spend on fines will skyrocket. Yep. <laughs> and so it's really funny if the customer, and I've had this experience too, if a customer comes and says, well, you know, that's a pretty high price point. Can we work with you on the price here? And you're sitting there thinking, do you understand what will happen <laughs> if you don't work with this compliance here and all of a sudden your fines are 10x or 20x the cost of this? So it's one of those things. It's a pretty interesting dynamic. And I can see the dynamic in the conversation you're saying, hey, you need this today because what you're trying to do is it's a <clears throat> it's a matter of CYA, right? Mm-hmm. You got you got to cover your ass no matter what. <laughs> so that's a great right. way to put it. I think I'll take that away. I'm going to put that in my pocket and I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. 
So speaking speaking of that, right? I think we're on the topic of uh, selling this uh, technology, uh, more complex uh, data management technology solution. Now I know that GDPR uh, was one of the first law that enforced uh, pretty much most of the world because again, there are lots of nuances of this law. It's not just for EME, uh, but it's also for the rest of the world. And so today, when I look at the GDPR and kind of the perception of the privacy and data management at, in the uh, European region versus the rest of the world, like how you as a technology leader try to resolve these differences? Because I still feel like uh, people and customers, especially, they're still concerned about to the extent of the applicability of the GDPR law, does it applies to them or not? versus, uh, you know, why I have to worry about it. And those types of questions, like, I'm pretty sure you guys come across that occasionally. And how do you guys resolve this living in in the European region? Yeah, I, I mean, firstly, I think we're quite fortunate. It would certainly be, if you look at it from our business and, and what we do, it would be a limiting belief to feel that, that like my um, area of the business in EMEA has a higher potential to work with uh, with customers. I think there's just as much potential in the rest of the world and uh, specifically the, the, the US um, where we're headquartered. Uh, it, it's just different. Uh, and so if you look at the GDPR, it's a very all-encompassing, you all must abide by this law. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to all be educated on that as best we can, especially as it changes. As you know, certainly early days, there was some level of ambiguity around it and um so we need to keep up to that and we need to be open-minded as as to what the changes mean and and help our audience our prospects our customers um learn what that means for them especially if they're outside of the eu i think inside i think there is that real um i guess attitude that it it absolutely applies and we can see a list of companies that have had some you know quite quite drastic uh fines I think where for our business, um, where we have to respond and again, make sure that we don't have limiting beliefs is just recognizing that uh, it it is different in, let's take the US for an example, where um, I I think things will constantly change, but rather than that overarching um, legislation, I think the US um, is still kind of searching for that Mm-hmm. top-down solution um, maybe there'll be a creation of some federal agency but right now you've got more localized uh, legislation like for california you've got mm-hmm. ccpa yep so um so i think that's where it's just looking at those differences but ultimately i think we're all in the same boat that um that there is legislation and there will always be legislation perhaps even more uh i guess strict legislation on how we deal with people's data. That's fantastic. And when, when we talk about the privacy again, and especially you being in a role where you know most of the time where the sensitivity comes in when from a privacy standpoint is either in sales and marketing, right? We yeah. marketers or we salespeople, we start leveraging this PII data and somewhere, somehow, someone <laughs> does something that they should not be doing. So you being a sales leader of a data privacy technology company, and how do you overcome this challenge, especially with your team? Yeah, and you're right. We are the naughty ones. It is sales and marketing that uh, that has the challenge. And I think that um, if we look at the examples of, of where there have been data breaches, it's it's normally down to the things we're trying to help customers avoid. It's just mm-hmm. you know bad or no um, processes, and um, and it's people error. You know, we, we all make mistakes. We can't 
we, we, we can't to a degree uh, stop that. None of us are going to become perfect anytime soon. So I, I think that uh, humans are the, the weak link in, in the chain. And awesome. so we do need that. Um, yeah, we, we do need some type of tools or software to help us. And it doesn't have to be observe point. I, I don't think I'm overselling uh, observe point. I think it's, it really is a general statement that we, we just have to make sure that like in our business, just um, the interrogation we have on like our opt-ins and opt-outs, having that well-defined process, even with people just that they're onboarded right, that there is training and coaching. We have a whole RevOps team and they mm -hmm. need to be well aligned with sales and marketing. So, um, you know, outside of some really, you know, quite granular, uh, what are we doing with our CMP on our website? I, I think more broadly, it's about just how we manage people and the knowledge on, on what they're doing. Um, and that there's a genuine sort of level of care weaving in and out of that process for our customers. Interesting. No, I like that. That's a good piece of information. I think when you think about it, as we start to get to the, you know, the final question or a few questions of the podcast, um, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, when you're speaking to your customers, I guess, what is, what is the best advice that you can give them, you know, of how to move forward with this? It's one of those things, whether they, whether they want to move forward with observe point, whether they go with a competitor, you know, a lot of times you're sitting there and you have that final sentiment. It's like, Hey, it's up to you to figure out what is the most important for them. Most important thing for them to understand about this, about really compliance and really about data privacy. Cause it's not just an, something you may need to have. You, yeah, it's not a checkbox, right? <laughs> it's, no, yeah. it's mandatory, you know? Yes. Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It, it is mandatory. It isn't something that's going to go away. And, no. <laughs> and and I think one, um, you know, one area that I like to have our um, account execs point out in, in, in demos and product tours and proof of concepts, it's kind of like, this is going to keep changing. Yeah. And, and for you, to help you keep up with that, you know, it would be advantageous to have a partnership, um, that's and, whether that's with ObservePoint or not. It's having uh, external lenses and external support, having the help of technology, um, especially technology that, um, you know, we've got a fantastic product and engineering team in, in Utah and in, in Europe, in, in Ukraine and mm -hmm. Romania, it's a it's a big machine and and uh and some companies have that yes yeah. companies don't and if you don't the the need to keep up with the changes and and keep with those iterations and releases are um yeah they're really demanding and and so it's kind of like well you you focus on what makes money for you and let us take care of you not being hit with a big fine or, you know, for some people it's, they, they're worried about the fine, but they're just as conscious of just damaging their reputation and like yeah. genuinely letting down their, their customers. So it's that, like you say, it's, it's absolutely mandatory. It's not going away. And for me, it's that it's ever changing. Completely agree. Cool. Uh, so as we go with the final question, so um, we, ha we have a lot of uh, uh, younger listeners. We have a lot of older listeners. Um, a lot of people are looking for career changes. A lot of people looking to get into the marketing industry. I, I you know, a lot of people, uh, I had somebody come up to me the other day um, after a class I was teaching saying, I really want to get into marketing, but I have no idea what I want to get into. And, and the guy actually said, 
it was a little bit funny. Um, I won't say his name, but he said, I want to get into, uh, you know, X type of marketing. I said, that's actually not a real marketing type of job. It's uh, it's just a, a, a naming convention, right? But a lot of, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, when you're getting into a career in tech, when you're getting into a career in understanding the, the nuances of how marketing works and privacy and data really is a, a strong component of, of really good digital marketing, you know, what is some advice you can give a, a younger um, marketer or somebody looking to, you know, map out their career? You know, what could you tell them? Because in my mind, going with, uh, you know, data and privacy route like this with ObservePoint, this is not going away. You guys aren't going away. You're going to be around for the next 20, 30, 50 years because data is only getting just, it's more profound in the world. It's not like all of a sudden we're not going to be doing flash (laughs) or something crazy like that. You don't need So I guess what advice would you give them as they're looking to figure out what do I do? Like, is this a good route for me to take? Yeah, I, um, it's, it's a really good question. It, it does make me feel about some of those uh, crossroads that I've mm-hmm. come to in the past. And um, when I got back from living and working in Dubai, um, I was kind of at a crossroads. I was like, well, what, what do I want to do now? And, and, uh, uh, and, and I want to make sure that I, I do something that, helps me achieve my goals and mm-hmm. all of these things but I, yeah, I certainly want to be part of something that grows and um is successful and and you know and, and meaningful with with people that i enjoy spending time with so i would um if, if i was starting out again I, I would be looking at you know what uh roles and and what uh, companies and what products and solutions and services um, as you say, are going to be around and they're mm-hmm. going to keep going to keep evolving. And there's just huge demand for. And although we can't always predict everything, otherwise, you know, we'd all be rich off the stock market and uh, we'd have all put buckets of money in Zoom at the start of pandemic and exactly. you know, things like that. It, it, to some degree, you know, even five years ago when I started ObservePoint, I felt like um, at a very simple level, people buying and selling online was going to continue to evolve and and the the, the trend was up and therefore it's a good how, prediction yeah how, how you uh collect data and how you use that and 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 needing data to be accurate and having a faster way to do it made a lot of sense to me so i i, I think there's some thought into mm-hmm. um into yeah where where trends are heading and and what's going to satisfy you but ultimately i think you know, you've got to go somewhere that um, is going to lend to your strengths. I, I spoke about my small box of talents. Mm-hmm. Look at those and where can you have the biggest impact? Because that will make you happy. Um, you'll only be happy if, if you're doing um, what really fulfills you and, and, and what you're good at. Uh, and then I think, you know, I'm a big culture guy. So you've got to look at the, the culture. So almost not overcomplicate it. Yeah. It's not all about money and how long we can be there. It's it's got to be something. You actually like enjoy your time at your job, right? What a concept, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, very cool. Um, that that I think that's a great way to wrap up. I think it's great sentiment, uh, a takeaway for everybody. So, just as a quick follow up here, Tim Baird is the VP of Sales at ObservePoint. You could find ObservePoint at going to www.observepoint.com. I just got on their website right now. It is absolutely fantastic. Very easy uh, to navigate. And it it has a lot of great information. So if anything, if you're more curious really about, you know, 
the company that Tim represents, ObservePoint, and really what they do and how the industry works, I say check out the site. Um, it's just great to really have a knowledge of this industry. If you're going to be in this field, understand the acronyms, understand what things mean, understand how things work, because <clears throat> excuse me, it's the most important thing you can do in a conversation rather than just being ignorant about it, right? Yeah, and especially if you're looking to, and this is also a message for people who are looking to start a new company in the data and privacy world. Big time. Uh, there is a lot to learn. There are so many different ways that you can kind of skin the cat. Uh, so yes, check out the resources that we have on our podcast. And Tim is a great resource to connect. You can also find him on LinkedIn if you want to have mm -hmm. more personal conversation with him and also go to the website, like Jeremy pointed out. Uh, but above all, like make sure that you always provide us the feedback and so we can bring uh, more really uh, well-versed and more experienced guests like Tim uh, to our show. And you can always reach out to Jeremy and I, analyticstodaypodcast.com or you can reach out to us on iTunes and all the other different podcasts and communication channels. And now we also going to have our YouTube channel, which is the Analytics Today uh, YouTube channel, where you're going to start seeing this uh, live videos uh, that we're recording. Yay. Got to put hey. on a shirt, you know, Zoom times, right? Got to put on a, got to look presentable, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great, Tim. Um, enjoy, actually, it is the almost the weekend. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, we're, not far. we're not far. It's been a pleasure. Thank Jeremy. you. Thank you so much for, for having me. Sure. Fantastic. Great. Bye -bye. Thank you guys. We'll see you on the air.